Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the Osher Ginsberg podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. This is episode 143 of the show with Socrates Otto. You can find him on Twitter at Socrates, S-O-C-R-A-T-I-S-O-T-T-O, Socrates Otto. Uh, This episode is brought to you by the fantastic, wonderful humans who have pledged as little as five bucks a month each month at patreon.com slash osher. Without them, without you listening, I know you're one of those people because you listen, uh, I couldn't have made this show today and I couldn't have made this show full stop for the last six months. So thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. If you do uh, have the ability, I would ask very kindly that you support the show if you can, if this show brings you value, if you appreciate this show, if this show makes uh, your week a tiny little bit better, uh, you can give back for as little as five bucks a month. It's about the cost of a fancy cup of coffee once a month just to help me uh, hire an audio producer, Andy, who cuts the show together and um, hopefully build up to where I can host, ho- hire a show producer and uh, help me with uh, guest coordination and things like that because it does get uh, fairly intense um, trying to manage schedules with uh, uh, everybody happening. But thank you so much, very, very much to everybody that has uh, has supported the show. Um, Patreon.com slash Osher is where you can support the show. A lot uh, back on the bike this week. I hope your week was good. I do have to say thank you to everybody that posted me pictures of where you listen to the show this week please keep them coming. I've got heaps on Snapchat, on Twitter, on uh, Instagram. You can find me. Just take a photo. You're listening to this on a phone because I I see the stats. 90-something percent 
if you listen to it on a phone, uh, take a photo with that phone of where you are right now and just send it to me uh, on Twitter or Instagram or, or Snapchat. Just send it over and just let me know where you're listening to the show. Some fantastic pictures coming in this week. Quite a number on the back of bicycles, which made my day. Some virtual bicycles, which is even even better. Um and plenty, plenty other places. Uh, so thank you so, so very much. You can always email me, send Osher email at gmail.com. Thanks to everyone that got in touch this week. That's the best place to find me. You, you can write me on, on Facebook, but I, I tend not to. Uh, there's an autoresponder there, which is impersonal, I know, but it just directs the people who could actually be bothered to write to me to, to actually write to me because they end up having to write to me twice. So the people that do write up. Anyway, I'll shut up. Um, I hope your week was good. I, uh, I had some tough days this week. I'm not going to lie. It was uh, difficult. Uh, for a couple of days there, um, uh, yeah, it was tough. It was tough on Audrey because she was quite worried about uh, what was happening with me, and I just had to explain that look, this is all it is. It's just the thing um, that uh, plays in my brain. It's nowhere near as bad as it used to be, thanks to the new meds, which are nice. Uh, but it's still there, and it's always going to be there. And I just have to get better and better at learning how to. Uh, rationalize it and figure it all out so yeah i did have some tough days this week but you know i did what i knew i should do get on the bike ride 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 <laughs> um distract myself do something positive try and help someone else out um try to be of service to someone that sort of thing and that all that stuff all works it just i just know that i have to whatever i was doing i was just going to have to wait because these are things i'm going to have to do now and that's okay and put a bit of self-care in there um, yeah, I met a new trainer this week who's a pretty good guy. I, I like him already. He's a nice bloke, Dan, uh, successful young chap. Um, didn't have to take me on as a client, but did take me on as a client. He's very busy doing other things, but he was kind enough to take me on board. And, um, yeah, I'm, I, I like what he's about. He, it's, it's all body weight stuff. There's no, well, mostly body weight stuff. There's no, you know, in a gym with mirrors and people with red headphones. There's none of that. It's just um, in a park, which I like, which is nice. And it's stuff that I can do by myself, which is great. Um, but, yeah, he's a good guy. I had a, uh, had a very, very big night in Brisbane, which was uh, super fun. Um, the radio station put on a Bucks party for me, which was nice. Uh, it was at the Forex Brewery, and the joke I made on stage of the night was this beautiful room we are in. The beautiful people at Forex had this fantastic uh, pub out the back at the brewery there in Milton in Brisbane. And I made the joke that uh, they basically built this room off the profits of my drinking all the money I'd put through Forex over the years, uh, which was a lot. Uh, but being in a room full of strangers without um, what I used to use as my uh, protection mechanism, booze, was it's still tough. It's still hard. It is. Um, occasionally, you know... People did make the comment, okay, they say, you know, for someone with social anxiety, you did pretty well. I said, well, you know, did you notice where I was standing? I was standing with my back to the stage. So if I needed to, I could escape the whole time. I was never standing alone. Um, I always managed to keep the conversations, you know, I know everyone was super lovely coming up to me and people said the nicest things. It was, everyone was like, congratulations, getting married again. Everyone was really, really nice. And they probably didn't know it, but I was shitting my pants. But that's okay. That's just the thing in my head that tells me to be afraid of strangers. And I know that everyone there was nice and everyone there was good and there was nothing bad happening. Or, But I was still dealing with it. Anyway, um, I was very lucky in that my producer, Peter, looked after me the whole night. And she basically had my eye contact and occasionally Abby as well. She'd see... Thankfully, Abby's got kids, so she's very good at reading people. And uh, once or twice, she just went, hey, Osha, can you just come? We've got to do this photo back here. And she whisked me away. 
And I was like, how did you know? She goes, I can tell. <laughs> I was like, thank you. Um, but it's still so nice meeting people. I, I met um, I met a young lady who had listened to the show that I did with Will Anderson over on Philosophy, and uh, she just said, you know, one of the nicest things I've heard, uh, nicest compliments I've been given. Um, it's always so nice to, to hear if this show is working. And so when people do tell me that it's working, it makes me feel very happy. And so I'm very grateful for her that her life has changed um, and turned a corner and that I played a tiny little role in that. She didn't have to make those moves, but she did. And I'm being really oblique. I know. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have. Uh, but yeah, Hamish and Andy DJed, which was great. Shannon Noel turned up and just brought this, just brought the heat, which was super cool. Uh, it was great. It was a really fun night. Um, and so everyone at the station, um, I can't thank them enough for, for helping me out for a, for a top night. Um, but yeah, a lot of bicycle, a lot of bicycle this week, which was great, great, great. Uh, just very quickly before I tell you about my guest today, we are less than 72 hours away. Uh, no. Yes. No? Tuesdays, 24, Wednesdays, 48. Yes, less than 72 hours away from the debut of The Bachelor 2016 on uh, Channel 10 in Australia, 7.30, Wednesday night. We're looking for a big opening, my dove, my loves. So if you could help us out, and if you if you never watched the show before, if you could just watch it um, and let me know your thoughts, you can find me on Twitter. Here's the thing. If you've never watched the show, if you go, that's not for me, I defy you to watch it and look at Twitter because – there's going to be someone who shares your point of view of everything that's happening on screen. So if you watch it and read Twitter at the same time, you'll have fun. And that's a guarantee. Um, but yeah, Wednesday and Thursday night this week, we uh, premiere and uh, let's hope it works out. Let's hope uh, you like the work that we've done. We've all worked very, very hard. There's a lot of us that make the show. We all worked very hard on making it. And um, I hope you like it. I've seen the first episode. It's really funny. I hope you enjoy it. So let me tell you about my guest today. Speaking of television. Socrates Otto is a very gifted Australian actor. He's best known at the moment in Australia for his role as Maxine in the women's prison drama Wentworth, uh, which actually has its season finale on Tuesday night this week. So two nights in, three nights in this week. Uh, yeah, so the season finale of Wentworth Tuesday night is on Foxtel. It's a very demanding role because uh, the character that Socrates plays used to be called Max and is now Maxine. And Foxtel here in Australia, there are... Uh, it's like a Time Warner or a Sky. They're a pay TV platform. They deserve enormous praise for their support of original Australian drama, and this uh, this most definitely is one of the best. It, it wins lots and lots and lots of awards here at home. Uh, Socrates is an incredibly talented man, and he was gracious enough to make the trek over to our house over here on the edge of Australia from his place deep in the inner west of, of, of Sydney, where all the coffee is super good. Um I was struck immediately by his warmth and his genuine charm. Some actors um, that I've I've worked with, uh, when they're themselves, they can be the the, the, the only word I could describe is hollow. Um, it's not a not a not a wrong thing, although they're disinterested. But they're just that's just who they who they are. The actual human that they are is. Uh, is a, is a very kind of beige kind of color. And I don't know if they keep that way so that when they're given words and then direction, they just kind of morph into these other people so, so well. Uh, but Socrates was the absolute opposite of that. 
my house lit up with a loving glow that just emanates from Socrates. And he was so generous with his time and he was very generous in the trust in our conversation um, that we would explore various aspects of what he's been up to with, uh, with respect. Uh, so that, uh, did that just, no, it's good. Uh, so yeah, that was, uh, it was so great to have him here. It was really, really great to have him here. Um, I've got to say a big thanks to Jane Nagline who lined up this interview. Uh, without her, it never would have happened. Uh, so uh, come now to Bondi. Lots of helicopters around in this one. Uh, I think they were still searching for a, a young man that uh, was missing off the coast. So you'll hear a lot of choppers in the background, I think. Uh, enjoy a warm cup of tea and a warm conversation with the wonderful, wonderful Socrates Otto. So I'm, I'm rolling. Oh, you okay. did? Where did you do radio? Well, um, student radio. <laughs> yeah, well, it's still radio. <laughs> student radio back at 2SCR FM, which still exists. Yeah. When I was studying, I was doing my BA uh, in creative writing and literature. And then I did an honours degree in it, you know. Not that you can sort of boast and do anything with it, with it these days, really. Um, but I did student radio, yes. And I had my own show called Frisk at the time, which was... Uh, Kind of not not heavily featuring industrial type of stuff, but but that kind of music, sort of Nine Inch Nails and Tool and Filter, and that band Filter. Mm. And so I got to host it and um, interview those bands. And remember Alternative Nation? I do. It was sort of a one-off. Yeah. Then it was it, Chuggy's go at trying to have a crack at the big day out. Yes, exactly. So I remember doing that and and. Um, uh, sitting around a table and then my producer was, um, she saw uh, Nine Inch Nails, a big fan, big Trent Reznor fan, as I was at the time, still am, um, and she summoned him over and he came. You know, she was very, I thought she was bolshy at the time, but it just ended up being that Trent's such a lovely guy. Yeah, So right. we're sitting around having dinner. I remember the, 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 the drummer was Chris Brenner at the time. I don't know what, what the band is now or if they're still together, I'm not too sure. <laughs> um... But I remember interviewing him. Uh, but there was a yeah. So I used to do that, and then also FBI before it got its license. Yeah. And they were broadcasting from the Mid City Centre in uh, in Pitt Street. Wow. And Maynard, and uh, I think it was Pete Pete Burner. Sounds right. Yeah, and they from would, Tool Maynard from Tool. Yeah. No, 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 no. Um, no, not from Tool. From Triple J. Oh, Maynard. <laughs> Oh, because you said Tool earlier. I yes, mean, I Maid Maynard, who worked at Channel V for a while. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He used to do the breakfast show before me. Oh, there you go. And also, I think it was Pete Burner and, oh, the other name escapes me. They were a duo act. So we were doing all this stuff beforehand, before yeah. it got its license. There was something else called Third, Third Network Overnight. Osher, that idea, which was broadcasting to over 200 regional stations across the country at about 2 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. or something. So, yeah, I've done, <laughs> I've done a little bit of Wow. Radio. I miss it. But... But I talked a lot of nonsense. And when I say that, I would just go on and on and on. And I couldn't, there was no brevity to what I was saying. And so I ended up speaking a lot less. I remember interviewing Grant Lee Buffalo and they were just looking at me. I was such a big fan. They were just looking at me like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> you know, I was talking about Nirvana and all this kind of stuff. I just went on and on and on. So I ended up 
kind of silencing myself and starting to play um, mixing sort of soundscapes with spoken word stuff um, and, and, and sort of DJing more than I did mm. being sort of a talk back mm. uh, host or, or, you know, um, speaking. Yeah. Uh, and so that's where I started to get really interested in sort of playing around with music and, and soundscapes. Uh-huh. And um, that got a bit too experimental. Uh, and I thought, okay, I'm getting bored, so I'm going to go. I'm getting bored of hearing myself, really. But right. it, was, it was great. Look, I love, yeah. I love radio. Mm. Um, it's you know, something I've done since I was 20. My dad used to do it. Mm. He used to do it in Czech at the ethnic broadcasting station in Brisbane. Okay. Uh, yeah, 4EB. Wow. They even called it ethnic broadcasting. Really? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sure Czech people show. still call... Um, some of that ethnic broadcasting. Yeah, the ethnic radio. Uh, yes, I've just always loved radio. What's loved, your background? Uh, Dad's Czech, Mum's Lithuanian. Okay. Yeah, but I'm a okay. I'm a plain person. I came here when I was a baby. Okay. So, a boat of the boat of the air. Prague is one of my favourite cities in the yes. entire world. Glorious place. Glorious. Yeah, uh, I recommend everyone should go and yes. just check out the world. Basically, because there's a lot of it. That, and you come back here. You come back here and go. Hang on, there's double lane blacktop with storm drains everywhere. Yes. Um, you turn a light and the power comes on, stays on, doesn't go out. You can drink the water out of the tap without, you know, contracting some sort of amoebic dysentery. And if you get sick, you get to go to the hospital for free. Shit is pretty fucking amazing That's, here. You're right. You're right. However. <laughs> <laughs> Look at a base level, mate. At a base level, when you compare our country to no, other countries. No, have, you're absolutely we're right. astonishing. Osha, thank you for reminding me because I just got back too and I've just seen the prices of, um, of the real estate and thinking, what the hell am I doing back in Yeah. Sydney? But thank you for reminding me of those perks because absolutely living you only in the have States. To, and, oh, yeah. You have to, even in the South in the States, you go mm. through there or – just spend a little bit of time in South America or India or any anywhere through the Southern Asia, mm. the Southern Asia, anywhere through Southern Asia, mm. as you know, is it tarmac? Yeah, that'll mm. do. Mm. Do we need stormwater? No. Nah. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. Not now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's what we have here as normality. You know, we spend our time on current affair making noise about dodgy mechanics because everything's so freaking amazing. We're too busy being upset at people who are trying to rip off. You're absolutely Shit is right. incredible. Like, here's the thing. Like, out the front there, just down the road, mm. the other day in a storm, a young man went swimming. Yes. Foolish errand. Waves are six metres high. Yes. All right? Disappeared. There were four choppers out that day. The next day, there were two choppers. Um, uh, yesterday, there was two choppers. This morning, there was two choppers. Wow. All right? That's about eight hours worth of helicopter time at about 10 grand an hour. And they're still looking for this person. Wow. Any other country, it'd be bad luck. Mm. <laughs> there was a police boat out there with jet skis, everyone looking for this kid. All right. Any other country, it'd be like, wow, well, sorry. Yeah, wow. Wow. We have the infrastructure and the ability and the, you know, the, the resources to do things. Like, they're not even searching for someone who they think's alive, mm. they're searching for a corpse. Mm. Anyway, mm. hell of a start. You grew yeah. up in Sydney? Yeah, I did. Yeah, where? <laughs> I did grow up in Sydney. I'm just trying to remember. Yes, that's what we were like back then. Yes, we still are. Um, in uh, North Strathfield was where I grew up. Now, for folks so who aren't from here, like me, it's in Burbian? Yes. Not too, not too far. It's, it's sort of on the... Um, oh God, this, is, this, this is the ridiculous thing because I don't drive, so it was always... Um, 
always. Um, She's not driving in Sydney. That's rough. Yeah, it's all well. It's same as LA. Hey, I caught the subway. <laughs> believe it or not, to get to places and auditions and people, people like the Americans were like, "You caught the what? <laughs> we have a subway in LA? Yeah, exactly. Really? Um, yeah, yeah." Thankfully, uh, there's a stop right under Universal City, which is very helpful. Yes. Well, there's, there actually, it was more convenient. I got there on time as opposed to getting cabs and getting driven around. So, uh. um, It's near Strathfield. Strathfield, Burwood, the Lidcombe, uh, not Lidcombe line, Strathfield, Burwood, uh, Ashfield line. All I remember about Strathfield is a suburb that sticks on my own because someone shot the place up once. Exactly. The Strathfield Massacre. It was like six plaza. people? Eight people? Quite a few. Remember mm. that? Wow. Uh. And yet, just yesterday in Hornsby... I turn on the news and there's a there's a, a guy yielding a knife and police shot him and there was uh, pellets that injured some bystanders. Shot him dead? I uh, don't know. Again, isn't that incredible? I don't know. So not only has he not got access to a weapon, like an automatic weapon like he would in the States, mm. or a handgun, he's got mm. a knife. Mm. Still not fun, mm. but you're limited with how much damage you can do mm. with a knife. Mm. And B, we've got cops, if you're saying pellets... Non-lethal force. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I saw images, but I was—I just sort of back Crikey. and forth. So, so your folks—they uh, had a shop in North Strathfield. What was the, what's their story? Uh, what do you mean? Like, you know, were they always from Sydney? Did they come here? No, my background's Greek, so they—they're—they've—they yeah, uh, came off a boat. I think they came off a boat. Yeah. So they're first generation. Uh, Your first generation? That's this is this is always complex for me to Did figure out. Did your folks out. get born here? No, they didn't. Okay, and the reason being is because I don't know much about that background history. Um, yeah, it's a bit complicated. That's okay with, with the family. No, that, no, that's yeah, all right. But yeah. a lot of people, you know, yeah. I remember my brother once told me when was it? It was after 9-11, my big brother told me he got in a cab and he said, it was a, a Lebanese driver, mm. and he said, no, a Greek driver, mm-hmm. cab driver, and I said, you know, the best thing that ever happened to us was the Vietnamese, because when the Vietnamese came, it was no longer us. Best thing that happened to Vietnamese was the Lebanese. Yes, right. Because once the Lebanese wasn't them. One of the best thing that happened to Lebanese was the Sudanese. <laughs> you know, best thing to have in the Sudanese with the Afghani. So where are we now exactly? The yeah. Afghani. Yeah, yeah. Afghanis that, or Iraqis or yeah, Iranian. Yeah, that's yeah. terrible. Yeah. But, it's, but it's it's. But you know, it's Greece was completely fucked <laughs> after <laughs> World War Two. Mm. It was fucking rubble. Mm. Of course, everyone left. Mm. Of course, everyone got out of there. That, that was wild. Mm. So you are the kid of the Greek corner shop. It was the middle. It was the middle of the street. <laughs> but yes, yes, I was. Was it the burgers in the front? Was the house in the no, back? No, no, no. There was yeah. The house was in the back, but it wasn't hot food or anything like that. It was it was just like your corner store. Yeah. But it's um it was before Woolies and before Coles and all that, and so we were thriving growing up. And then slowly, you know, the I think it was Woolies. Now it's Safe Safeway or something or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, they started opening up, and then the business started to die. And yeah. And then they sold it, but um, so yeah, just... in terms of the heritage, I don't really, no, I don't fine. really know much about it. We did, I didn't really tr- grow up traditionally Greek at all. No, that's fine. You know, but your folks, it's the kind of job where if you live in the house, it's like where's mum, where's dad? They're at the till. That's where they are. Yes. They're in the front every day. Yes, yes. Dawn dealing with you know 
couple of um, hold-ups in the shop. Oh. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I remember being there once when some guy came in and I heard my mum screaming and then I, I ran downstairs and there was the gun and I just had to hold her and she was, you know, she was out of her body. She couldn't figure out what was going to happen and I just, just threw him money and off he went. How old were you? Uh, I would have been in high school, around about 15. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of those. That's pretty intense for a 15-year-old to go through. Yeah, I guess so. But when those things happen, Osher, you kind of, you just, you surprise yourself. You don't, you're not even there. You know when they, when they talk about that whole thing of, of, of you see, like, yeah, like a woman would lift a car to save a baby. Yeah. You know, you don't even think about yourself. Yeah. You're just there to protect or help anyone yeah. that's in distress. So I was much more concerned with her and much more concerned with the safety of the shop and, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I find that that that's yeah, that happens a lot with me. I think. <laughs> Do you remember the did the cops come around? Did you have to give statements? Yeah, and all stuff? that stuff. They were yeah. really kind, really cool. <laughs> wow, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I'm laughing. No, no, that's maybe okay. I'm just tripping down memory lane. Well, a lot of people don't about. really, you know, generally in Australia, thankfully, get guns pointed at them. So. Yeah, that's pretty lucky. Yeah, that you it made was it. drugs related. Yeah, yeah, different. Uh, very. I mean, I mean, obviously, I was saying saying this to you just before we were downstairs walking the dog, and uh, just being back from the states, I'm still a bit jumpy about all the weapons over there. I'm still a bit jumpy about all the guns. Yeah, in America, it's pretty pretty bizarre. Yeah, First time I went there, a real I was lot in of it. Seattle and it, you know, guns for sale on the on the thing. Actually, my best mate was um, was uh, pulled over. Um, uh, got out of the cab, paying for for um, fuel, and then someone came with a knife and you know threatened to stab them if they didn't hand over their wallet. And they're saying, "Hey, hey, I'm Australian. You can't look. I'll give you whatever you want, but don't take my don't take my um, my passport or my identification because I'm a, I'm not even a you know I'm not even a local." Um, so that, yeah, that was happening all the time. Did they get away with it? They say, okay, sure, you can keep the passport. No, they just took the money and ran and jumped in a dumpster or something like that. I don't know. It was, but, but yeah, I know. It's still jumpy. Yeah. Every, every, I, I would see at least two people get arrested every day on the street. And um, not, that, not that LA is that place. It's, it's beautiful. You know, there are pockets in LA which are just sensational. California is an incredible state. Yeah. But, you know. Downtown LA, well, not downtown LA, just just all over. You know, even even the neighbourhood I lived in, Los Feliz, I would see people get arrested yeah. at least twice a day in handcuffs. Choppers all the time. All the time. I all lived in time. Venice. Yes. Choppers all yes. day, all night. Yes. Really low, circling mm. all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's 21 million people. Mm. When there's 21 million people in a small area, you're going to see things yes. that are more visible yes. because they're just the volume. 21 million people where? From the north of Orange County to the south of Ventura and into the edge of Pasadena. Wow. Including Pasadena. Now, tell me, what's the population of Sydney? Four. Australia? 23, 24. there we go. There we go. Because I, yeah, okay. It's gigantic, gigantic. Amazing. You know, like when you you drive in from Palm Springs (laughs) Mm. and you Mm. are... 100 kilometres away from, your GPS still says 100 kilometres, 
and you are already passing suburbs. Yes. And they don't ever stop. Ever. Yeah. You just keep going and going and going and going mm-hmm. and going on that 210, that one that just keeps going forever. So high school, were you the, were you the acting kid? Were you the... No. No? No. It was the bookworm. Yeah? And photography. Yeah. Yeah, I was just always in the, in, um, in the photo lab. And just reading and reading and reading. I was obsessed with literature and drama. So, no, not the acting kid at all. Yeah? yeah. Developing your own stuff? Um, not really. No. I was just... Um, I mean photography when you say Oh, you're I thought you meant in terms of um, no, no, drama. No. Uh, yeah, taking my own pictures. That was primarily my, um, or, uh, my focus, especially in, in year 12. Mm. So we got distributed in the... In the um, Art gallery mm. at the end, like the year twelve students, all, oh. our, all our stuff. So, what kind got, of camera were you there. shooting on? Um, oh God, <laughs> what was it? One of those usually old... a Pentax K1000. Yes, it was. It was one of those small little, you know, little little uh, school cameras. Pentax yeah. sounds familiar. The Pentax K1000 is usually the high school camera. That's it. That's yeah, it. Yeah, it the Pentax. Nikon Air for the uh, Canon AE1. <laughs> Good brain. Wow, I shoot. That's my thing. Uh huh. Okay, yeah, that's mine. Yes. My little brother, thankfully, I'm just over the moon. My younger brother, I've got two younger brothers. Okay. My younger brother is just starting to get into developing his own film and so we're getting okay. extra nerdy talking about developers and right, stuff. Right, right. But, of course, back in, the, back in those days, you know, there's the lab and there's the red light and, you know, it was fantastic. There's no, no one could have the smell of oh, the chemicals. So toxic, so Do bad you know? for you. But there's <laughs> that way I would escape though. That would be my little sanctuary. Yeah, because you're in this tiny little you know? room and it's all yeah. quiet. No one can come in. The lights on. You but can't that's come in. It. It's like my little lab. I loved it. I mean, you know, school can be crazy, and it was. You know, yeah. Also, why was it crazy? Well, growing up with a name like Socrates, do you know? Um, you know. Yeah, you're not. You're not. If you're not the popular kid, you're ostracised. You know, and if you're an ethnic, uh, and uh, despite you know being the only store in the middle of the in, in, close to the street that that that, um, that that's like the corner store where and everything else doesn't exist. You know, despite having that popularity behind you, you're still kind of ostracised if you're not part of the core gang or the you know the the, the general consensus, which was made up of you know white suburban, you know. Well off um, straight kids, yeah, uh, and so um, that's why I think I got lost a lot in the in the in the lab in the photo lab and in the library and um, read a lot and you know I found solace in those kind of materials and it was fantastic. Yeah, you know? I think that's what en- ended up leading me into creativity more. Mm. Sort of kind of going, oh, I can explore. What else is this? What else does this mean? You know. I certainly wasn't a sporty kid. <laughs> Although I did train religiously for um, some athletics with a friend of mine uh, for a, I think it was a 100-metre dash. And um, it's funny when I'm going back and I'm thinking I can't remember, Osh, because it's been – I haven't spoken about my um, pubescent years in so long, but this is why I kind of hesitate. I'm kind of going, oh, but – but I, I do remember coming third in the 100-metre dash and I was so proud mm. because I wasn't an athletic kid. I was very clumsy, you know, very good with the mind, very good with the creativity, um, but just not the body. <laughs> but you got it done. You came I got third. it done because of, because of constant, um, I was going to say rehearsal, because of constant practice and constant, yeah. uh, um, uh, you know, 
Uh, constant practice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I managed to come third in my 100-meter dash when I was about 13. I was so riveted. I was so proud of myself. Good for you, man. <laughs> oh, I could never do any of that shit. I was so, so fat when I was in school. I could not. Were you? Oh, yeah. I was very big. I was biggity big. Yeah, yeah. It was like 112 kilos when I was 17. 112? Yeah, I was all fat. How did it – how did – what changed? Uh, I stopped eating shit. Okay. And exercise became something that was fun and that I enjoyed, not something that an how angry man st- with a whistle was making me do. How did you – well, out of your own accord, how did you stop mm. eating shit? Did you kind of go, okay – uh, well, this is the whole path that led into eating the way I eat right now. I was unemployed and I couldn't afford to eat burgers and red meat all the time. Right. So I ate what was cheap, which was veggies and rice. I had one meat meal a week, which okay. is what I could afford. Because mm-hmm. uh, back in the day, kids, we used to actually move out of home. And I was on the dole and uh, I was unemployed and so once I started eating less crap food, I started to notice I just started to feel better. The more vegetables I ate, the better I felt. Mm-hmm. This is nice. I like right the feeling food. of this. And I can't remember the name of the health fund, but I saw an ad on TV and it was a bloke talking about being unemployed. He says, look, I, all I knew that if I – he said I, I didn't have a job at the time, but I knew that if I just um, got – if I stayed ready, I wouldn't have to get ready. For, for, you know, getting a job. Mm. So I took that on board. I was like, you know what, I'll just start walking. And so one day I walked literally from here to the bus stop and then back to my house and I was fucked, all right? That was of the most course. physical exercise I'd done in forever. It was Honestly, it was about 150 metres of walking. And then the next day I walked 10 more Were you more still meters. 117 kilos? Yeah. Okay. That's quite big. Mm-hmm. And then I walked a bit more and then back and then walked a bit more and then back and I kept going and going and going and I would walk for two hours, three hours. I'll, ultimately, I just kept walking and walking and walking and walking. So, like I said, I was, uh, I was, I was pretty weird for a while there. I still am, but back then I hadn't really been treated or diagnosed with anything, so I'd just go walking and just be alone and try and process things in my head. So you basically were your own motivation. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. And I just kept walking until one day I felt Dude, like running. that's amazing. And then I started running. And then um, over the course, once I started running very quickly, everything dropped away. I lost about 20, 15 or 20 kilos in two months because when you're 19 mm. – you can, mm-hmm. yeah. Just so that's that's kind of how it happened, um, and I just kind of kept eating uh, cleaner and cleaner and cleaner as mm. it goes. And mm. see, there's a chopper. They're doing it. They're trying yeah. to find that missing person. Yeah. Um, but but yeah. So was uni always a thing? Were your folks stoked you got there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing to do. You know, as a good Greek boy, go to yeah. uni. And, um. I loved it. I continued. I did. Um, I focused on um, uh, literature and creative writing. So I did four years there. I did three years BA and then um, a fourth in an honours degree. Did you get to uni and after years of being the lonely kid in the library, did you go, oh, my people? <laughs> no, actually, oh! <laughs> it was scarier because then you know everyone, everyone <laughs> that whole that whole. Um... Hey, let me just shut this because he's going to come real close. No worries. And we're looking, basically, we're looking at a helicopter right out the window. It's very close. Yeah. 
The other day they were so low they were in front of that building. We couldn't even see it. We wow. the edges of the blades. They were right above the water, mm. trying to find him. My goodness. Yeah. Um, so you My got goodness. there and you thought, oh, what, the pressure's um, on now? No, it was, it was that, it was, I just found a lot of pretentious people. Oh, look you out. Know, over at, over at uni. Which uni? It was Macquarie Uni. It was actually UWS MacArthur out at Milpera, and then I went to Macquarie Uni. But I don't know, I just... Oh, I, you know, it might even sound pretentious of me to say, but a lot of people, I think, were just sort of lemmings, you know, following the norm. And I remember going in and, you know, <laughs> my whole take on, um, you know, a, 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 a theory or a philosophy or, a, a, you know, a creative element of something would, would kind of just be a little bit off kilter and people would kind of not really understand that or take that on board or think that that was too weird, you know, and not, and and I, I just kind of, <laughs> it sort of continued that sort of, not necessarily ostracizing me, but kind of going, oh, that's, the, that's, that's. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It's a kind of weird guy with you know the, the 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 sort of the weird kind of intellect or the weird kind of creativity there um i did find a very a great uh, couple of people that were like-minded so <laughs> i escaped with them you know not necessarily in the library and stuff but they were my little tribe um and i loved uni i loved it you know yeah it's good to find your people though. yeah it is it's good to find your people and as an adult there's that moment of, actually, I know I don't have to bend so others will like me. I'm just going to be me and others will show up. Well, it's funny because that kind of happened around that time. You know, I was, I was kind of like, yeah, I, 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 don't want to, I don't want to sort of follow the trends. And, you know, I'm backing myself and I believe in what I'm doing and I believe in my creativity and I'll stand up for myself and that's great. But then you find, I don't know, I don't know, you sort of enter the world of... Well, the entertainment world, perhaps, I don't know. And then there are rules, mm. you know, and there are things that kind of challenge, challenge your own personal sort of wants and desires and needs and, you know, you, you're, you're, you, you discover there's boxes and, and you kind of want to break those. But, and then you kind of lose that again. You kind of go, okay, I've got to abide by the rules, whatever that is. And so basically what I'm saying is that you, you do find your tribe and you kind of go, well, I can be myself, but then you find that you fall back. And you kind of go, okay, I've got to be, a, I've got to sort of follow the trend a bit and see where I fit. 
So it's been like that for me, you know, fluctuating rather than kind of always thinking, yeah, yeah, I've, I've got my tribe and I know what I'm doing. I mean, this industry has changed so much, Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to be starting now. No. No way. Well, actually, I don't know. Some people might disagree because you don't have to go through any drama training, really. Yeah. You know, beautiful headshot over a ghost to L.A., you know. Submit your little um, demo on um, social media. Boom, gone. Copy the act. Just do everything the acting coach tells you to do. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. true. It's I blew my mind true. when I found out about acting, acting coaches. Completely, just for folks who, who don't know, it's a job where someone stands on set and will actually sometimes use even even an earpiece. Yes, and just say, repeat exactly in your voice as I say this. You know. It's all yours, Mr. Robinson. No, no, no. It's all yours, Mr. Robinson. It's all yours, Mr. Robinson. Perfect. Cut. Moving on. Yes. It's Great. A, that's, what it, it, that's what it's like. It's people crazy. People don't really kind of understand that. Well, especially know. in this country. You know, yeah, you don't you can, have an entourage here. If you can mimic an acting coach, mm. you can have a great career. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Eventually, it, I think you might get scary. it. You might get it. Yes. Eventually. <laughs> but as well, though, but look, to be honest, Socrates, that means... Some people who you otherwise wouldn't see on camera can now get a chance to be on camera and we might start, we might see a little more depth in casting as far as um, diversity goes mm-hmm. because folks who may not have had the access to that training through their socioeconomic upbringing are now able to be put in that pressure of we're burning $100,000 an hour yeah. making this. Mm. Please, let's not have seven takes. Yeah. Let's just get it done. Yeah. Um, so, then, you know, there's that. When there's was that. the first thing? When was the first time you stood on stage and went, oh, this is fun? Uh, when was that? When was that? When was that? Here we go, back again. Mm. <laughs> I think it was during university. I think I took a, um, a theatre studies course and we had to do some sort of performance. And I mm. kind of went, whoa, this is interesting. This is interesting. This is kind of bold and I'm, I'm finding it fun. So I think, I think back at uni, but it wasn't necessarily dramatic. It was, yeah. it was primarily theoretical, uh-huh. but we had to do some sort of performance. And so it just started dominoing from there. Yeah. Do you know? And then I ended up going to um, uh, NIDA, National Institute of Dramatic Art. That's uh, a heck of a thing to get into though. At the time. I don't know what it's like now, but at as the time. As far as I know, it's still pretty difficult. Yeah. Okay. I also know that when I was there, the whole idea of going to the States was, you know, not even an option. I think the people that were only starting to break it or had broken it, broken over there, were Mel Gibson and Kate Blanche were starting to. So it was really, it was really foreign, a foreign concept to think of going overseas and extending your career. It was more, at the time when I graduated, it was about getting out there in Australia and actually going straight onto stage because primarily 99% of what I, where uh, my course was stage um, training. No film and television. We only got two weeks of that at the end of um, my course at the ABC. <laughs> Could you imagine? You know, we've been trained for three years in stage and then we get this camera put in front of us and we're acting like clowns and, and the, and the um, tutors are saying, whoa, 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 just bring it back down. <laughs> Calm down, people. I love that, Buckaroo. We're, we're, we've got a frame between your, exactly. your Adam's apple and your hairline. And then, we, <laughs> and then off we go into the world and start auditioning and not really understanding the, the, the process yeah. of what the camera is. And yeah. I know that's changed. I know that's changed incredibly with NIDA. As um, uh, the international world has opened its arms uh, to, to foreign actors as mm. well. 
But at the time, no, I graduated and then I struck. I, I remember getting my first job while I was still at NIDA. I was very fortunate enough to do so at the STC, the Sydney Theatre Company, and that led to three back-to-back, which I think was quite rare at the time, you know. Um, I was really, really proud of that. And one of my first gigs was with um, Ruth Cracknell, who that was her last gig before she passed. And it was her, Pamela Rabe and myself, like a three-hander, and I was straight out of drama school <laughs> with these two dames. I could not believe it. And I had to play a multitude of roles. I played Ruth's father. I played Pamela's lover. I played an embryo. It was all that, you know, I played this um, uh, chef connoisseur, um, the narrator of the play. It was all about dementia. And Ruth's character was... Um, uh, in five acts, it was called Salt, and Ruth's character was uh, suffering from dementia, and Pam was her daughter, and I was the man in their lives. So that was that happened straight out of drama school, and it, what an insight, and what an education. And you know, what theatre were you at? Uh, that was the Sydney Theatre Company, down which would still exists in Walsh Bay. Yeah, right. So, what the STC, n- the new theatre? No, that wasn't that wasn't there at the time. That's what I'm asking. Yeah. No, no, the the one the one opposite on the wharf. Yeah, on the wharf. Oh, okay. On the wharf. Yeah, that yeah, was, I know that yeah. one. Yeah, that yeah. room there. I know that room. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and she, and she seven shows a week, six shows a week. Oh God, eight shows a week. Good Lord, two on Sundays. <laughs> it was one on Sunday. It was two on Wednesdays. Two oh. on Saturdays. Mm. And I think that. It's the way it still is because I recently did a play and I hadn't done a play for so many years. Um, but that was the go, two on a Wednesday and two on a Saturday. I think that's still the... What's it like when you, I don't know, how long were the runs? Months? Uh, six to eight weeks, yeah. Okay, so you're three weeks into an eight-week run mm-hmm. and it's after the show, you know, and you're sitting around having a glass of wine with Ruth Cracknell. Like, what, what, what's it like once you're in that zone? Well, in that particular play, no. Ruth would go home immediately as Pam would. Yeah. Um, That's you and the stage manager. It's me and the stage <laughs> manager. And because we were cooking on stage, there was a rhubarb pie <laughs> that I'd often take home myself. But, um, no, with that particular play, it was really full on. It was really full on. It was dealing with dementia, of course, you know, and, and, and Ruth was old and she was suffering um, she was ill at the time as well, so there was there wasn't much hanging around after that particular play. Yeah. But some of the others, absolutely. You just you just it takes you would know this. It takes eight years, years I was going to say hours to wind down. Yeah. So by the time I'd get to bed, it'd be like three or four a.m. Easy, you know, and because yeah. you know you don't have to rock up until you know six p.m. the next day. For, mm. for for your show. And really, so you easy know. to see how an unhealthiness can creep into an Absolutely. actor's life. Absolutely, but here we go. This is what's interesting because in the same year, this is where, where it's um, terrific for me and, again, fortunate enough that I was cast as a personal trainer. Now, I wasn't a heavy kid um, but I was, you know, there was a plumpness to me being being from a Greek family and, you know, eating Greek food. Not Not specifically traditional food but, you know, we also had that corner store so... There'd be a lot of junk food, you know, coming in. So I was cast as a personal trainer when I um, when I left uh, drama school. It would have been after the Ruth Ruth play, and I had never done any exercise before, um, except for your triumphant third place. <laughs> yes, thirteen-year-old hundred meter yes, dash. You yes. retired. I'm out. Yes, See that's, you later. that's Top correct. Of the game. That's correct. That's correct. Because <laughs> I think at this that was like yes, ten years later or whatever. I was twenty-six years old or something. Um, 
I became a, I, I had to be a personal trainer. And so STC again um, uh, got me this fella down here actually. What's that big gym down at uh, down in Bondi? It's part of a, a Swiss Grand. The ice, oh, yeah, the Swiss Grand. Yeah, I used called? to work out underneath that. It's gone now, but I used to work okay. out that. A tiny little gym with a weird tiny pool. Tiny little gym. Always exactly. the geriatrics yes. having their aquarobics. Yes, very odd and very hard to move. Yeah. Very hard to move. Tiny anyway, little place. Yeah, very odd. Very odd. But I probably they... saw you down there. 2002. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> Okay, yes, you were the other young one there. Yeah. I was thinking, what am I doing here? But they funded a, a fella to actually train me. So he put me on this whole regiment, food, training thing, and I became obsessed. Yeah. And it cleaned my life up. And to this day, I still, not, I don't exercise as much, but I, um, I still maintain a healthy lifestyle based on actually that role and being introduced to that sort of lifestyle. So Early on. Early, early on, thank God. Because wow. you know, so many actors can get lost in... God knows what you know. Yeah. Oh, look, it's pretty. Look, it's pretty easy. You know, it is pretty um, easy. It it takes a certain personality type to be able to be an actor and to have a job in the creative field. Yes. You know, some people look at it and think, "I can't think of anything more terrifying than being on stage uh, or being on live television." I can't think of, and I've spoken about this often. I, I can't think of anywhere where I'm more at peace because I'm completely in control of the situation. So that's what they think. That's what I think. Ah, that's why if I'm, I'm at peace. That's absolute serenity when I'm on camera, when I'm live. Because anxiety is fear of the unknown. When else is when I'm when else am I more in control of the known than when I'm on front in front of a live television camera? It's completely my thing. Wow. And I get to have that little God moment for 12, 20, 30 seconds in our minute at a time. It's brilliant. That's really rare. Yeah. I'm very lucky. It's really rare. Do you know? Most people are terrified yeah. that I speak to, do you know? Especially with live TV. It's only, it's, it's, I don't know, it's the thing that, it's been the thing. But what I, was, what I was going with that is that that's the solve. That's the S-A-L-V-E. That's the the, 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 the the lotion, that's the ointment for the, the itch. When you're off stage, that itch is very hard to scratch. Mm. Uh, hence things like alcohol come into it because yeah. that keeps everything quiet mm-hmm. and you're, when you're not there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can be, uh, you know, but that's at least my kind of opinion on sort of how these sort of unhealthy lifestyles can creep into creative, uh, mm. creative types because your brain just runs. Like you find you come up with creative solutions because – your brain is smashing different possibilities against each other until, you know, those atoms split into some thing that, oh, that's never happened before. And mm. then you write that down or you draw it or you create a line that no one's ever seen before or mm. you take a picture or whatever. All right. But outside of those moments of creativity, your brain's still doing it. Mm. Your brain's still going in that time. And for some people, like for me particularly, it's like being under a waterfall of just mm. the whole time. Mm. Like your brain's just on. And, mm. you know, before uh, before I got my shit together and found a doctor and, and got myself sorted out, alcohol was really handy at keeping yeah, that quiet right. when I didn't need it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, unfortunately the dosage got a bit too high. And okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to keep it away. Yeah. Um, so, crikey. So for a young man to get cast straight into the STC out of NIDA, what were your classmates' uh, opinions on that? Were they like, fuck, man, you hit that? <laughs> Pretty well. I think so. I think so. But um, yeah, I don't know. Not, I don't know. Not many of them 
to my knowledge, yeah. are acting these days. Yeah, wow. You know? Because, um, you know, it's like a dysfunctional family. Three years, you're there, you know, with everyone. And, and then as soon as you graduate, boom, gone. <laughs> mm. So we all kind of dispersed and we didn't really see or hear each other, you know. I, I, I'll see two or three people from my year on television kind of going, wow, I haven't seen you for 16 years, but there you are. You know, and now with social media and Instagram and Twitter, you know, someone will say, hey, remember me? I'm like, oh, my God, yes. But um, I don't know. I just – I didn't think – and this is very, very true. I, I think I didn't think that I would have a career out of drama school because I was, you know, I don't want to say the token ethnic guy, but I was a Greek guy going into this institution where a lot of the graduates were Mel Gibson or Kate Blanchett or, you know, Hugo Weaving or Jackie McKenzie, you know, Australians. I didn't really see any, any uh, Europeans or Asians coming out of that school and maintaining a career in Australia. So when I got in, yes, I was riveted, but I treated my three years as my career there. So in in three years, you do six plays and I got four leads in six plays and I think it was because I was so um, determined to learn and I wasn't complacent about my position at NIDA and... Um, I proved that I was there for the right reasons and I think I was rewarded, do you know? And there was, never any, there was never any ego about being there. For me it was again like, oh, wow, this is, this is going to end in three years, you know? And I think that attitude has helped maintain my whole career for the last 16 years, you know? I, don't, I, I always think that this is it. <laughs> this is the last one. You know what I did, I did too? Eventually though... Eventually, don't say it. What are you going to say? No, eventually, <laughs> you mentioned you got to back yourself. Eventually, uh, and I, I had to find this out when I was, you know, I was unemployed in a foreign country, mm. uh, paying rent out of my savings for a while there, mm. and I just had to rationally think about it. Goes well, statistically, I've worked more often than I haven't worked, yes. and I might not be working right now, but I will work again, and. I had been treating it, yes, as this is the last gig I ever. I'd better do well at it. Mm. But ultimately, that ended up, that kind of stress ended up my undoing. Ultimately, putting myself under that sort of stress. And yes. Okay. It's like it's, it can crack you to pieces. But also, you you were working from a very early age, right? I was seventeen. I started yes. and as a roadie. Yeah. 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 So you would have burnt out as well. You would have exhausted yourself. Uh, that's happening a bit now. Because I'm starting to not be able to hack the pace of what I used to be able to. Right. Uh, but I'd never noticed before until... Is that you or is it the pace of the industry? No, it was me. Because mm. somewhere unemployed me who can't afford me is still saying <laughs> yes to stuff. Um, but Audrey gets... Audrey, my fiancé, is very much like, okay, you're going to not do anything today. Mm-hmm. You cancel everything in a calendar, please, and just sit there on the couch. Just do nothing because you're going to get sick. But if I didn't have her to tell me that, I honestly, I wouldn't notice. And it's occasionally, like, my only kind of flags are when I, you know, have a massive cold sore. I think, oh, this only happens when I'm really fucked. Mm, might have to put the brakes on. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so when you're a kid, um, you mentioned being, you know, the, the token Greek kid. Hmm. When you were a kid, um, what, 
I mean, we talked yesterday. There was this big media conference in town called Mumbrella. I was out there yesterday. And diversity was a big thing. We, you know, if I'm recalling, the only Greek Australians on telly were kind of mean and fairly racist satires, weren't they? I remember Acropolis now. Yeah. Is that what you mean? I'm talking more con the fruiterer. Oh yes, the comedy white, company. White bloke Absolutely. in Greek face. Absolutely. And oh, yes, drag yes. Greek face when he played his own wife. Which is still how people kind of talk about, you know, when they put on those voices. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I do. And it was it was heralded by the Greek community, oddly enough, because there was some sort of representation. Yeah. You know, even though it was so stereotypical and backwards. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at look at what happened at the Logies this year, you know, when they were cracking jokes about SBS it, um, being, what did they call it? What did um, Sex before soccer. Exactly. And Lily Chin said, you know, I think it's time you stop making jokes. And that just hit, you know, everyone was like, absolutely. Yeah. You know, because we, come on, come on. We're still marginalising, marginalising, you know, ethnics and all types of... Anyone that's not white. You know, minorities. Hence my latest role, which I'm sure we'll get to. Yeah. But that's, that's you know, that's why I took it. Yeah. You know? Because, um, okay, we should probably get to it because I do have to pick up a, a kid from school. Um, <laughs> Just get the helicopter to go get them. No, unfortunately. <laughs> I have travelled by chopper at one point in my career. Have you? Yes. I've been, I've been in a two-seater. I should get this. A two-seater. I played Charles Darwin from 16 to 60 years old and I was in a two-seater. We went to Lord Howe Island and I was so excited. I'm like, oh my god, this is you know, it's, you know, only a couple of people, a couple of hundred people are allowed on the island at the at the one point in time. I was in a two seater. I looked over to the pilot. He had fallen asleep. He was not. He had nodded off, and I was catatonic. Look, going, oh my god, if I shake him, he might. You know, he was geriatric. He might wake up and have some sort of heart attack. We might just lose, and I might go down, and I might die. But if I don't do anything. I still remember that. It freaks the hell out of me. Two seat and there's the water going, oh, this, this is did not Did you give happening. him a nudge or did he eventually wake he up? He eventually woke up. So, yeah, I do it all the time. I'm like, get me into this plane. Survival but, of the fittest, mate. Oh, <laughs> tell me about it. Tell me about it. But, your, but tell me about your helicopter ride. Uh, no. It probably wasn't as... Uh, during, during said drinking days, yes. I, I once did actually pay to travel via helicopter because my ego was... Uh, running the show for a yes. long time there. Okay. So I don't do that anymore. So no. there's no chopper to go get the kid. No. So Didn't uh, Bronwyn Bishop do that recently? Oh, uh, yeah, but she didn't pay for it. That's the problem. Ah. Uh, so you are currently uh, currently on the road. Like we could have we talked about you lived in Los Angeles, you lived in Los Feliz for a while. That's you, okay. You went to auditions, you did this, you did that. Um, there's a role you're playing right now on the show Wentworth. Yes. Um and for folks who are listening, if they want to go back and listen to an episode I did with Jet Wilkinson. Who oh, wonderful. She, yes, go, go, One go. of the greats. Yes. She and I worked on Channel V together for many, many years. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. She directed me as myself in Neighbours. Are um, you kidding me? No. I had no idea. Yeah, I once played myself in Neighbours with Nikki Whelan. <laughs> Who's Nikki? Nikki Whelan's blonde. Uh, she's in the States now. She's Sorry, Nikki. A... Oh, well, she's in the States. She wouldn't care. That no, she's great. She no, is. no, she's great. Uh, but Jet is one of the greats. Yes. One of the absolute greats. Well, she directed me in Home and Away when I was playing Robert Robertson, which was based on Dale Cooper in Twin Peaks. Get that for Unreal. Home and Away. She directed me when she had no hair. Yeah, Jet. And um, I was um, Ada Nic- Nicodemu Leah's lover. Yeah. And then she, 
All that, and then, yes, she came and did Wentworth. And yeah. uh, episode five, which was last Tuesday, and episode six, which is next Tuesday, are her episodes. There you have it. Yeah. So you did you approach for this role? Did you hunt this role down? I was approached for this role. I worked on a show called Carlotta, and as we know, Carlotta is uh, the first trans woman in Australian entertainment from the 50s and 60s. She's a legend. Um, very, very public... So Absolutely. Too. The first. So yeah. I worked on that telemovie and got to meet Carlotta and um, uh, I initially auditioned. Look, I've, Osho, I've played a myriad of roles, myriad of roles and, and um, chameleons, ages, ethnics, all, you know, <laughs> not ethnics, ethnicities. <laughs> it's funny, in America, I wouldn't, re- I wouldn't be regarded as an ethnic. I'd be regarded as... You're white. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... Um, for them, it's sort of uh, American Indians or, or yeah. you know. Anyway, um, so when the opportunity – so with Carlotta, I put down an audition for Carlotta's best friend in the telemovie script, which was a uh, drag queen who was going to transition as well. Now, the casting agent that, that cast Carlotta were also casting Wentworth. So they remember that audition and then they asked me to audition for the trans character in Wentworth and that's how I got the role. But I'd never played a woman, so of course, of course, as an actor, you want to challenge yourself. And in Australia, that opportunity is so fleeting. Mm. And also, the transgender community, I don't think they've been represented apart from Carlotta playing herself in number 96. Mm. When I was, I don't even remember it, but, you know, people were telling me that was the one of the biggest shows in the 70s. Mm, you massive. Know? Um, And also as a man and not being part of that community, oh, my goodness, thank you. Yes, this is exactly what I want to do. There was no – and I was living in in L.A. at the time, seeing someone get arrested and I thought, enough of that, I'm going to come to Australia and I'm going to work on this show that um, uh, is based on prisoner, reenactment of prisoner, and I'm going to play a trans woman and God knows what it's going to be like. What What did you find out about the trans community that surprised you? Because you're you're an actor, you you know, you work with all kinds of. You what know, did I find out? You about find it? There's, all, there's a whole spectrum of sexuality backstage in any theatre. Um, what did you discover about the trans community that you went, oh, I didn't know that? Like immediately, I would say nothing yeah. because I never I never approached it like it was an us and them kind of thing. Mm. Obviously, obviously, I've got to think of the the um, the external side of it and mm. what it's like to to. Or, you know, to be born with genitalia that you're thinking this isn't me and I mm. want to change my sex. Uh, this is not, you know. But for me it was all about the internal mm. uh, similarities between us as human beings and that's where I focus on. That's how I kind of really focus on all my characters. You know, how, how I can represent someone as authentically as I can that, that um, an audience can connect with because I just feel that that's, that's the platform of TV and, and film. You know, mm. we, that, that's what, why I wanted to be an actor. I don't know if I'm sort of making sense right now. Yeah, that's yeah. why I wanted to be an actor. I would see characters that were like me or were suffering like me on television and I would feel less alone in the world, do you know? And that's exactly what I did with Maxine. When they came with a brief and they said, yes, Maxine is a recently transitioned woman, she's very masculine looking because she started taking her hormones at a late age and she just only had her, pre- her sex reassignment uh, surgery six months ago. But she's a very vulnerable girl and she's very emotional. And um, so I... I, I I um, focused on those things, mm. those things. Why is she suffering? Why is she emotional? You know, her partner um, had a 
delayed reaction to her, her reassignment surgery and attacked her and in self-defence, you know, she attacked him back and then she's incarcerated. So all that stuff, I'm just thinking about what can I familiarise myself? And because I put an audition down, they kind of went, right, you've got the right um, traits of what we want to represent with this character because we're not stereotyping her mm. whatsoever. And, of course, they put the brief out there. They said any trans person that wants to come and do this role... But no one did at the time yeah. because, you know, why would they? People just want to sort of adapt in society without being, you know. Yeah. At the time, nowadays, it's a whole different conversation, which is terrific. Yeah. Do you know the trans um, community? It's it's much more out there. Yeah. We're talking about it. We're seeing more and more people come out and saying, yes, I'm trans and I'm proud of it. Yeah. But, you know, when I got the gig, none of that was happening. Yeah. You know? So serendipity to me to be able to actually tick that off and say yes yeah. you know i've played a trans woman and and the support has been unprecedented osher it's crazy yeah it's crazy because we're present we're, we're presenting her as a human being and not something that's that's um you know other that we don't know of and she's she's currently been diagnosed with breast cancer oh that's in, right. In this season. Yeah. Do you know? So yeah. that, again, kudos to the writers that they've actually kind of gone, let's not make this directly a trans story. Let's make this a story where every human being mm. can um, sympathise and kind of go, oh, my God, a trans woman can get breast cancer just like my wife, just like my mm. mother, just like my father, my brother, you mm. know, who can get breast cancer, but we don't know much about it. Yeah. So they're, they're exploring this storyline which everyone is being affected to. The, the stuff that I'm getting already on social media by people saying it's exactly what happened to me, mm. you know. Wow. Um, it's, it's amazing. And kudos to Wentworth because they're out there and we need to, you know. And this is what I mean by people feeling less alone in the world. Yeah. If they see this happening, they kind of kind of go, Wow. You know, whether it's inspiring or not, you know, the, it, it, it's grim stuff, but it's true. Yeah. We, you know, and we need to see it. We need people to actually share their stories and kind of go, you know, oh, thank you. I yeah, can connect. Yeah, I, I think at the moment there's a lot of, thankfully, yeah. there's a lot of uh, talk of the trans community uh, in the kind of zeitgeist. Yes. Unfortunately, a lot of it is people who are just really afraid, mm. especially in the States mm-hmm. uh, and the Carolinas in the South. There's a lot of people who are like banning trans women from using yes. female toilets mm. because – and it fucking gives me the absolute irrits, I tell you, Socrates, because I think there was this footage that someone – Abby showed me at work the other day. It's this woman marching through Target with a bullhorn uh, saying, you know – Target should you should boycott Target. They're supporting perverts, putting our children in danger, letting freaks use the female bathroom. And you know, you really feel like you know, because in her mind, if you're a trans woman, you are instantly going to molest her child. Yet the absolute facts of the matter are, ninety something percent of every child sex offence happens from someone that already knows the kid, mm-hmm. and it's never ever <laughs> that person you know yeah. and that's uh, you know there's there's a lot of confusion there about because someone's sexuality doesn't look like yours it's therefore dangerous yes. and but the same applies with ethnicity doesn't you know, it right now yeah you know so it's it's what do you do this is the world we're living in you know you can only try and you can only try and continue the discourse but you can't change yeah. anyone's mind unless they're prepared to change it themselves you know it's it, it's it's yeah. it's, it's it, it's horrible, but it's it's the world we're living in. Some people Gosh. are nice to other humans. Some people are. Hey, Frankie, chill. It's okay. 
they're lowercase. They're allowed to be out there. Yeah, yeah, you can go out. And, sorry, one second. No, I think Frankie's agreeing with us. Yeah. Saying absolutely. Go on, mate. <laughs> absolutely. Go and go and scare the birds, mate. Um, I was having this Audrey. She's like, "What are you doing? I'm getting into a fight with a stranger on Twitter." She's like, "Why are you doing that?" I just, <laughs> um, some people are nice to other humans. Mm. Some people are not nice to other humans. Mm. That's it. However, when some people are not nice to other humans, happen to be anything other than white, male, middle class, straight, suddenly it's every single person who is that person is not nice, mm. i.e. trans, Islamic, female, yeah. gay. Some people are just assholes. Mm. Doesn't fucking matter mm-hmm. if they're Christian, Islamic, Jewish, mm. straight, gay. But that's it. That's why I don't focus on them. I yeah. focus on the people who've been silenced. And in my roles, whatever I'm representing, yeah. I focus on that so I can actually get them to kind of go, you know what, I'm not so bad. I can support myself, I can rise up and I can back myself and I can love myself and that it's hopeful to go on. That's what I focus on, you know, even in life. Yeah. Because there's so much hostility and so much fear that's just making us kind of go ballistic. No one's connecting anymore, Osh. No one's looking at each other down the street, I find. You know, everyone's kind of just frightened to approach a stranger on the street for fear of what, you know? Let's get back to what our divine right is to be happy and to love. I know that sounds kind of like a, I don't know, a cliche or a kind of like, oh, what are you talking about, you know? But it's true. You can, we can do that. That's how I choose to live and that's where I focus on in my work. And I think that that's the sort of recognition that especially Maxine has gotten and that's why she's so popular, you know? And I know over the next two episodes, people will, will really identify with what, what, what her plight is, you know, in terms of the cancer storyline and what, what, who we are in a life and death diagnosis, you know, and what our family and friends reveal to us, you know, when we're faced with that. Who, who are we? Who are we really? You know, those questions are fundamental. Mm. You love it, don't you? I, I do. <laughs> I do. I do, man. I care. Do you know? I really care. I've been hurt a lot in my life, you know, growing up, being ostracised. So I can understand that side of, of, of being, being judged, you know, for what you look like or, or for how you think or your background or your ethnicity. So, you know, and like I said, I used to, I used to watch a lot of TV, I used to hear a lot of music that, that, that were from artists that were talking from their heart and saying, you know, we might be laughed at. I remember, you know, Sinead O'Connor saying, um, what's that uh, the, that album, I Do Not Want What I Have Not Got? She yeah. goes, they, you know, they'll, they'll laugh at, oh, I forgot the lyric, but um, they, yeah, I forgot the lyric, but that was so inspiring because she was saying, you know, they may, they may laugh at me. Oh, I forgot the lyric, I really do, but, but that Google. was... Yeah, that was that was inspiring for me because I kind of thought, look, the world's the world's sort of trying to sabotage this woman for speaking her mind and coming from a place of love, you know, because they're afraid of what she's saying. Yeah. Do you remember all that stuff with the Pope? Oh yeah, she was exposing it back then, and people thought she was mad. Yeah, do you know? So so that's what I mean. That's why I care. I kind of think you know, people just got to be honest and people just got to connect and kind of go, you know, let's not focus on the people that are hating. Let's focus on the people that need love. You know, love it, man. <laughs> Thanks for coming around. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure, Osh. I'm going to take your photo real quick, okay? Yeah.
Sweet. Did, sure. you catch the, did you catch public transport here? Uh, I got an Uber. You got an Uber? <laughs> I got an Uber. How do we do this photo thing? I take it with that camera there. Right. Are you in it as well? Nope. Oh, come on. No. <laughs> that's not how it works. I, really? Yeah. Okay. We can if you want. Yeah, I'd love to. We'll do one, I'm but it doesn't work with that camera. It's very hard to selfie with fine, that camera. And you're a big photographer. So. <laughs> and I'm also a big fan. Like I, like I, I was telling Osha, I grew up watching him. <laughs> All right. Well, here we are. <laughs> All right. I've got to do this because I've got to pick up the camera. All right. All right. Let's All right. do it. That was Socrates Otto. You can find him on Twitter. S-O-C-R-A-T-I-S-O-T-T-O. Let him know that you heard him here. He's a lovely bloke. And on uh, Tuesday night in uh, Australia, you can catch the season finale of Wentworth. Uh, It's the one about the prison with the ladies. No, the other one. Yep, that's the one. Um, He's a lovely bloke. If you like the chat, please let me know. Please let me know that you heard it. Thanks again to everyone who supports the show on Patreon each and every month. I am so humbled, so humbled by the enormous support that you show me. And uh, if it is in your ability to support i would very very much appreciate um a little help helping this show come to come to the air every single week as little as five bucks a month gets you uh, exclusive episodes um which no one else can hear they're at the moment they're sequels and uh i send you a, a link that no one else gets so you can listen to them and it's uh, it's ace hey uh, i've got to get out of here um got to go and uh do some sunset netball hoop practice with the kid uh in that I drive her to the netball courts and she shoots hoops while me and the dog do stuff until the sun sets. It really is the greatest thing ever. I highly recommend hanging out with your kid on a weekend. It's pretty much the most fun that there is. I love it so much. Anyway, I got to go. I love you so much for listening. Thank you so much. Until we talk next time, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.